Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 97, NMSA 09, wrap-up number 2, New Paradigms for Schools. <laughs> oh, hey, welcome back, folks. <laughs> I guess it's me. <laughs> We've never done it this way before, so <laughs> I was having a podcast. <laughs> I was having a little problem counting there and <laughs> missed the button, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what that was. <laughs> that was. That's what that was. I missed the so, button. So. Hey, air guitar, we play air buttons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Troy Patterson and... No, I'm, I'm Sean McGurr, at least I think. <laughs> Check my button. <laughs> Check your button. And uh, see now, we're... We're we're ready for the show. We've got... We get to start off with a joke that we did not have to find... <laughs> and we did not have to search out. It's true. Because one of our wonderful, wonderful listeners sent this one in. Um, and this one is from Kate. So we thank you, Kate. Um, and Kate says she's a, a seventh grade life science teacher. And so they, they get to use uh, microscopes. The room is a retrofitted science classroom which I think most science classrooms are retrofitted. <laughs> so I don't have a big lab benches for microscopes. Instead, I bring in my power cords for from Christmas lights. The first time any class uses microscopes, we spend a good 10 minutes of class going over the procedure for plugging in and turning on the microphone microscopes. <laughs> um, one particular fifth period, I just instructed the students to plug in the microscope and turn them on. And after a sufficient wait time, announced, at this point, everybody should be turned on. <laughs> um, this is when I got some very strange look of, looks from a group of boys in the corner, and all I could do was laugh. Uh, it's, it's, it's those moments like that that just make the day special. Um, <laughs> Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> That's when you realize, oh, crap, and they got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, earlier this year, Kate was reviewing Celsius Fahrenheit conversions. I was explaining to the kids that this was a messy mathematical formula that we could use to do these conversions, but for our purposes, I helped them out and gave a side-by-side -side picture of two thermometers that they could draw lines across to make the conversions. Oops. This way you can avoid getting the, uh, the whoa, whoa, let me try this again. This way you all can avoid getting the getting your hands dirty with all the math for now. To which one of my smart aleck boys blurted out, but what if we want to do it the dirty way? <laughs> As the rest of the class burst into laughter, I chuckled inwardly, always important, and then explained that we'll have plenty of chances to get our hands dirty in science this year, but this won't be one of those times. So. <laughs> I absolutely love those, and um, we greatly appreciate uh, Kate sending those in. Um, and we would greatly appreciate you sending in thing, some jokes or things that have happened to you. And, of course, you can do that at, um, at middleschooleducators at gmail.com. Um, and just, just share with us because everyone's had times like that. Um, 
my wife keeps threatening to write the book, um, You Can't Make This Stuff Up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because there's all those things in our daily in our daily lives that uh, um, that happen that you just can't make up. <laughs> and I'm sure Kate feels like these are a couple and these are really good. <laughs> well, then I've always threatened to write down stories I've heard other teachers tell about themselves uh-huh. in the classroom, you know, when they're in the teacher's lounge. Not something they would laugh at in front of the class, you know, just to maintain control. But when they get back to the teacher's lounge, just roar. Oh. Well, and again, I'm sure that when Kate hit the teacher's lounge yeah. <laughs> and, well. and repeated the uh, the smart aleck boy, but what if we want to do it the dirty way? I'm sure that one got a few chuckles <laughs> as well. Okay, let's move on to our next section. Somebody should really do theme music for different sections. Well, that would require a post, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Not necessarily. Not, not, if, not if one was prepared for it. I think that if I knew Audio Hijack Pro better, we could probably do this on the fly. Then get I wouldn't cart- have to do post. Or get a cart deck. I used to I used to use one of those in, in college, man. And I think essentially that I have a cart deck sitting in front of me. It's just called an iMac. Anyway, from the Twitterverse. Yeah, we need. We'll talk to Leo about getting us the theme song. <laughs> yeah. uh, Twitterverse. Actually, the first section's you. Well, no, no, it's not. It's not. No, the first one's you. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's okay. Uh, apparently, there's one left in here. You, you're, he's right. There's one left in here from last week. Ransom <laughs> <laughs> Tech said, "If a podcast can capture everything you do in class, you deserve to have nobody coming." And this actually led into a whole huge conversation we had before the show. Yes. Which. I'm thinking we're going to have right now. <laughs> uh, Not again. I lived through this one once. And, and and I found an article that goes along with what you're talking about here, and I didn't realize it was related to this. And actually, I think I've got it down in the um, bill. No. Uh, no, I don't think I put it in there. Well, we'll talk about it anyway. Okay. So this current paradigm of education, by the way, uh, NMSA just came out with their updated version of This We Believe, and this would definitely impact This We Believe because it would would definitely impact best practice. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were going to totally blow up this paradigm of education where we have physical buildings and we have students who come and um, go through courses throughout a day and then they go home, what if learning was more on a uh, teach one basis as, it, as, as opposed to I don't teach class, I teach 190 individual ones? Which is fundamentally different. Right, yeah. We're, we're talking about much more, um, I don't want to say, indiv- individualized instruction gets a whole lot of... Um, it has a lot of, around, but what it a, what has a, a lot of connotations with it, too. Individualized right. instruction and, and I want to go has there. all kinds of connotations with it that we have to be careful of. Right, and that's not what I'm referring to. I'm not referring to that whole bundle of, of stuff. What if we said a school of one, kind of like an army of one. We got a school of one as a prototype for 21st century instruction. What, how, if you were going to blow up the paradigm, current paradigm, and redesign it, what would you do, Troy? This is, this well, is first of all, we had like an hour and a half long conversation uh-huh. about uh-huh. this that, before that, the show. Probably fun a, is how you're going to do this. In a very serious, <laughs> in a very serious conversation, so we're not going to repeat the whole conversation now. But one of my frustrations right now is that we're going through some pretty tough economic times 
and there's a lot of change societally. And the question is, how much is education going to change and what is education going to look like? Um, you know, if you look at Clay Shirky, Here Comes Everybody, if you look at Clayton Christensen's Disrupting Class, um, if you look at um, Chris Bosch, I think, not Chris Bosch, um, uh, he has a new book out on the on basically open source learning, which I have not read yet, but is on my um, my reading list. So let me take a quick scroll down here, and and essentially there's um, people that are that are starting to talk about what some of these things are. But we haven't gotten to the point where we actually really are looking at implementing some of these things. So the, the, the question becomes, is education going to fundamentally change or no? And if it is, what is it going to look like? Um, because things... Because we are going through so much change right now, and we we very easily could be going through more cuts and more changes next year. And how many practitioners are actually talking about changing education and what education looks like versus how many, um, uh, you know, futurists or theorists. Um, so that was kind of the the nut of the conversation that, that, that Sean and I had early on is that is education really going to, uh, to look different and how so. Um, and oops, I don't see it. Um, there's another, there's another book on that's on my list is rethinking education in the age of technology which addresses some of those some of those things as well. Um, so that's kind of the, the short point is that how can education be done differently and still be effective? And is that going to happen? With whom is that going to happen? And how? Is that kind of? That's, that's, that's very nutshell compared to what very you said nutshell. before. Yeah. And then we went to more, more of a practical aspect. Well, what would this look like? And, and how could we make this work? And it, it led to uh, eventually us taking over my, my own school district and, <laughs> and appropriating the use of their buildings and kicking them out of the, uh, the, entire, the, the entire district, I guess you could say. Um, because it, it could. I mean, this could have a huge potential. I mean, and one of the keys to this we talked about was uh, technology and the whole process would have to be uh, full duplex, you know, full both way uh, back and forth. And I think if you did that, You'd find a lot of things appealing. Plus, why limit the, uh, the 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 district to your local area? Why not make the entire state your district and pull in that way? And then uh, start doing regional things for your socialization part. We, we also talked about, hey, what if we had a community service component and a um, apprenticeship uh, component? So the kids are taking what they're learning and applying it in a hands-on way somewhere. You could have a – whether it be a trades program, but then you can also, you know – Make it some sort of uh, practical application program, and I'm not talking in specifics because we're this is totally completely theoretical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, what if you tr- uh, put your phys ed program on a bus? 
and ran it around and used city parks as your um, place of your, your gym, so to speak. Um, and then you tell the kids, look, hey, if it rains, you get wet, you know, but you're going home that day. So, I mean, it, obviously, yes, in some places, you know, when you get three, four miles of snow deep, um, you know, you might have to change and differentiate your plans just a little bit, um, become experts in frostbite, I suppose. Um, but, I mean, I, I mean, theoretically, we could, you know, there's a number of things you could try. Yeah, yeah, it has and potential. We, and, and we did talk about quite a few of those. And the, the issue is, is public education going to fundamentally change? Um, are people talking about what it could look like, what it should look like, what it needs to look like? Um, you know, is it even a, isn't it even on the radar of conversation or not? Um, because if we're not prepared for it, we we face the issues of becoming completely irrelevant. Um, and and. I mean, I don't have any magic answers, but I think we need to start looking at and talking about and thinking about what could happen and what needs to happen and how do we prepare for that. And the time to do that is before it happens instead of afterwards. So, enough said. We spent well, an hour and a half on that this morning. We didn't, we didn't <laughs> I don't want to do the hour and a half again. <laughs> yeah, we didn't record it. That may be one of our problems. We should record our pre-show uh, pre, uh, talks. And and then, of course, we could always do posts on those and put those into the podcast. And we both know how much posts we both do. <laughs> yeah, I've already um, got a – what is the uh, – I've got a Rube Goldberg model for getting this thing posted as it is <laughs> so that it doesn't cost us anything. <laughs> I don't need to make it any more confusing. <laughs> Add one more thing to the mix, yes. Yeah. We build a better mousetrap. Uh, let's see, simple simple K-12. Th- this one is you. <laughs> so doesn't mean I can't just sit here and make you do it. <laughs> no, it's this. It's for administrators and tech coordinators, two groups I don't can, don't want to join. Uh, the importance of your teachers using virtual field trips in the classroom. And while we talked a little bit about this beforehand, one of the mm-hmm. places where I've done virtual field trips in the, in, before is Second Life uh, to the land of Lincoln Island, which is now gone. Apparently they lost their funding and they've deleted all their stuff. And there's a lighthouse on that island and a bunch of water, which is cool because then I can pull out my ironclad boat and sail around and shoot things. But um, I'd rather have land of Lincoln Island back. Right. So, But I, I've done virtual field trips there. And, and this is something that um, this is all free. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I haven't I haven't done this, I haven't used this service, but I, I think the the conversation at least is important. Maybe if you we don't necess- if you don't necessarily do the simple K twelve version, but you do some other ones because there are a lot of virtual field trips out there. But this one offers a free guide on learning how to create engaging and interactive virtual field trips um, for your classroom. They uh, um, they do ask for some information in order to get it, which is one which is a little bit of a red flag for me. But um, yeah, I don't know. It has uh, first and last name, occupational title, organizational name, email address, and phone number, and state. Um, and so for that, you get a guide to a free virtual field trip package. Um, 
and I got the feeling that you're going to get lots of other opportunities to buy stuff. Mm-hmm. But the idea of virtual field trips, I think, is something that needs to be that can be discussed. Whether you go this particular route or not, there are some good virtual field trips out there, and um, it's just another it's another piece of the puzzle, I think. Um, next up wa- is. Um, one from Blair Teach, who retweeted Colonel B. Do we need a new high school model? Will our K-12 culture even allow us? And this comes from ASC, ASCD, sorry. I don't know why I'm abbreviating one letter off of that. Uh, and it comes from Education Update. And it's... Um, kind of based off of the 2006 study, The Silent Epidemic Perspective of Our High School Dropouts. And um, it's it's kind of interesting. There's a, a section here I really like. The essence of 21st century skills. Well, let, let me go back to a second here. Redesigning the high school experience should mean t- teaching 21st century skills. Though they sometimes seem vague, common, and difficult to assess, skills such as independent thinking, problem-solving, and decision-making are not really new, but have become extremely important. And I think we've heard that from a lot of different places. Daniel Pink, from uh, Friedman, World is Flat, um, you know, those kinds of places we've heard quite a bit of. These skills are important, but really hard to bubble in the circle to get them. Um, The essence of 21st century skills, returning to the article here, whether interpersonal, applied, critical, or creative is an emphasis on what students can do with knowledge rather than what components of knowledge they have amassed. Skills and content are best learned together. It is the responsibility of this generation of teachers to teach a new, rich body of knowledge while providing engaging opportunities for students to apply it. Um, And... I think this is the the start of some of the um, looking at different ways of providing education. But um, what they really say is, quote, it is time to abandon the outdated high school factory model that is so burdened by a top-down organizational structure. We need a new educational model that honors all students who put teachers and students at the center. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> no, uh, nothing practical about how it would really look, but um, still interesting discussion. Um, Zoe, 1971, retweeting Web 2.0 Classroom. And this is an interesting graphic from EdChat um, on information overload. By the way, when you're using a... Um, uh, a net, a notebook, and a desktop. It's important not to try to scroll in the middle of the keyboard on the desktop. That <laughs> does not work. Oops. And this one I thought was real. It was real interesting. It's a. Gra- it leads to a graphic which shows now um, how there is an overwhelming amount of information and useful information, and they give you the best case scenario for the future and a worst case scenario for the future. And the, the thing that I wanted to really bring up with this one is the idea of information overload. Clay Shirky has a really good TED Talk 
on how we're not dealing with information overload. There's always been way too much information. What we're dealing with is a filter problem. In the past, that was filtered in one place because in order to print books, it was expensive. So somebody else filtered for us. And what we're seeing now is that because publishing can be done by anybody, that the filter needs to move from somebody else to us. So it's an issue of us designing better filters and more useful filters to actually bring into play. So, and, and that's a, I think is a great topic, um, is how do we filter things? How do we teach kids to filter things? Um, next up is there is a teacher who is using Facebook for course management, which I thought was an interesting use of Facebook. The teacher uses events for um, um, due dates. So if there's going to be a project that's due, they just put it in the events. They have the, the conversation is right there on the wall. Um, it's an AP English class. Um, there's several discussions um, that are going on. There's 50 discussions going on. So um, some of the discussions, does the portrait of a lady qualify as a Billings Roman? Um, Henry Jane's artistic technique, um, epigraph to a lost lady. So there are a bunch of discussions, and it's an interesting twist to using Facebook, I think. I don't know if you had a chance to look at that or not, Sean. I, I, I didn't yet. Um, I wonder if something like that might be more practical in Edmodo because um, you can set it up and there's some more control to it as far as who you let in, who you let keep out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You could, well, in some respects, you could do that too with Facebook too, though. <laughs> yeah, you you could, you know, only friend certain people and you could make things private and they'd have to, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting to see the tool. And, and the, one of the reasons that I, that I popped this one in there is because the thought of that's clearly not what Facebook was designed for. No, but it's a great way to repurpose it. But <laughs> you start thinking about it and you go, yeah, that might work. <laughs> um, so in our district has something based off of Moodle, which is very Facebook like. Mm-hmm. But so you could do kind of the same thing with that. Um, it's not Facebook, but it works very, very much like Facebook and social media. And you have the control over who's in and who's out and who's part of it and all that. So um, it, it's interesting. It would be taking something that people are familiar with and being able to use it because Moodle can be pretty overwhelming or, um, yeah. you know, Blackboard can be pretty overwhelming. But if you take something that people are already familiar with, you might get more buy in on it. Which is interesting because I had a, uh, somebody um, on my Twitter we were talking about that sort of thing, and I said, well, I wonder if it's, you know, because things are so similar to I am. And he mentioned back, you know, I am isn't so big with our kids anymore. They're more into Facebook, uh, Gmail, Skype, and which is bigger than AIM, uh, iChat, or, you know, some sort of other um, instant messaging device. So I wonder if that's a bigger, you know, indication of a bigger trend as well. Yeah, and and um, 
And again, it has the advantage of people. Are, a lot of people are already comfortable with that. Well, but Facebook for kids. I mean, we've always been told. I shouldn't say always. A lot of times we're told Facebook. No, Facebook is a much older uh, demographic than just kids. You think kids are starting to invade the quote unquote adult um, social networking? Mm-hmm. And this is one that's kind of gone the other way. The adults picked mm-hmm. up on this one first, mm-hmm. and now the kids, I hear more and more kids telling me they use Facebook rather than MySpace. So mm-hmm. it's one that the adults have picked up on, the adults are comfortable with, and kids are moving too, mm. which I think is an interesting twist as well. Of course, as they get older too, they might be looking for more older contacts. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. one of the things about Facebook is building contacts both for schooling and, and a personal learning network, but also those professional connections that might you know give you a hand up somewhere else in life. Right on. Um, okay. Uh, Todd Williamson um, posted, we're talking, but who's listening? I like this. A rambling piece generated from numerous conversations today. Um, and uh, I, I got to say, I really enjoyed meeting Todd. I think he is, mm-hmm. he's someone that, uh, you know, I wish I would have gone to college with because I, I just... I think he's a, he's a he's a he's a great guy. Has a great sense of humor, and is right on and lots of these educational things. So, um, um, anyway, he's talking about the number of teachers that are actually using technology, um, and the number of teachers who have access to technology, who are attending some of the. Um, technology conferences and things, but don't really, really use it. Um, and, and I would agree with, I would agree with him in many, many ways. And I think that it's one of those bugaboo issues where, you know, the, the opportunities are there. Um, but it's it's frequently seen as an add-on or an extra or something different. And I think there's a lot of people that haven't figured out that it should be part of the day-to-day process and not an extra, not something different. Now, in the defense of teachers, I think unless they have regular access to it, they're not going to use it. it. It's just it's not going to happen. Um, so it becomes an issue of making sure teachers have regular access to it um, so that it, they don't have to go and check it out. They don't have to go, ba-ba. It's just there and ready to go. And I wonder how much of this is that teachers don't have regular access to things versus how much of it is this is a fundamental change where teachers have to do something and learn something new in order to get hold of that. I think he makes a good point here in the middle um, when he talks about techno, techno, you know, technology literate, technorate teachers and, and the, the idea of a cochlear implant. If you don't have access at home, well, you might have access at home, but if you don't know where to go and play with the tools – you're not going to develop any sort of skill set 
in that area. And, and if, the, if the tech at school blocks it and you're not picking it up from others at school, mm-hmm. you'll never know to go look for certain things or try certain things or play. The key word there is play. you got to play with this stuff. And it's so much fun to play with it. But if your tech person says, no, that's dangerous, they're the gatekeeper of, of curriculum knowledge for techno- technology-wise, um, yeah, you're, you're being misserved. Right. And and the issue is, it's like in our district, in order to get something unblocked, you have to dem- you have to show the demonstrated educational need for it. But if you don't get the chance to play with it, you're not going to know what the educational right. need for it is. So it becomes, right. you know, the uh, cart and horse kind of thing is because, um, as you said, teachers need to play with it. Teachers need to figure it out. Kind of like the, going back to the Facebook example, you know, if you don't use Facebook, you, nobody would say, you know, this is a great way to run a course. You could just do this and this and this and it would all work out. It's when you play with it and somebody goes, well, you know what? This seems a whole lot like a course because I could I could friend certain people, enroll students. They could post things on my wall, on the wall of the class, have those conversations. We could start discussion groups. You know, it's unless they play with it, they're not going to make that that leap and that and that connection there. Um, and I, and I think this is a. Uh, although he says it's rambling, I think I don't think it's so much rambling. I think it is um, uh, a, a thought-provoking piece. Oh, I think it's well done. I understand what it, where he's talking about the rambling part because it comes actually comes from a whole series of experiences. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking about him or talk, talking about the NCMSA conference uh, technology access point uh, way back when he was just after the NCMSA conference last last March, and uh, we were talking about some ideas to use to to incorporate technology and they've actually got better access to technology than we do at our state conference which is neither here nor there it's, it's a matter of location um, Michigan does theirs in schools whereas like Ohio and North Carolina does theirs at a conference location hotel that sort of thing right but but think about that think about that statement in and of itself Michigan does theirs in schools schools that probably in what so why doesn't Michigan pick schools that are that have um, a Wi-Fi network throughout the area that they're giving presenting the conference at, and then why don't they just open that up? You know, all all they have to do is <laughs> create a uh, you know an, a, a name and password that's good for the two days of the conference so that people have, a, have access to Wi-Fi. It's there. It's just letting people get to it. It's not that hard, and it should be something. It should be something that's taken for granted. Um, he also points out, and that was one of the frustrations that we actually talked about, was, you know, here you have the NMSA conference, and um, there's no wife. There was there was no free Wi-Fi throughout the throughout the conference, and um, that was that was something that I wish that it had had. Uh, happened you know i just think if they take two bucks out of everybody's if they increase my our conference fee by two bucks no one's going to really notice and then provide free wi-fi for people um and, and that would have done it. Use it two bucks per person and and this was a conversation in the middle talk listserv about 
access and that sort of thing. It's about $10,000 for Wi-Fi access for the conference. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just for the presenters or if that's for – I think it's for everybody. So, But at 2 bucks per, this year that would have been 12000 And it covered it. $13,000. And that would have covered it plus a little bit more. Ooh, maybe they could have bumped that up to more than 96 k baud. Well, but again, then now you're providing that. Now you're, now you allow people to utilize what we're saying people should be doing, and I think that's one of the frustrations that people feel is that, um, you know, again they don't have that actual access. So we can say they don't use it, but one of the reasons I don't think they use it is because you go to a conference like this and. Well, you know, I had my iPhone, so yeah, I was able to to Twitter from there. Todd had his netbook, and he was mm-hmm. a lot faster than I was, mm-hmm. which still irritates me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> still, I'm not, I'm not angry about this, no. But um, so he was typing a lot faster and posting a lot quicker. But at least I was, at least I could, you know, I could post things on Twitter. Um, I could take notes on Evernote and still could look things up as presenters were talking about it, but it was something that I couldn't do on my laptop. Because if I could have had my laptop out, then I could have posted as fast as, as Todd did. No, And you know what? One of the cool things about having Internet access at the conference, it would have turned Twitter into like a large note-passing type of activity right. where you could have exchanged notes and thoughts and ideas on a conference session, not only within that conference session with people, but with you know other people that are traveling in your group Beyond. and mm-hmm. maximizing the conference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It does, it's just 14 bucks for Internet access if you're a attendee per day. Yeah, that's for the better of the two choices, and and the better of the two choices was basically dial up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so go check that one out. That was a good blog, a very good blog blog post. Um, that one was yours. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, some algebra activities. Web twelve classroom uh, retweeted Kelly Garbaro, who retweeted math is it. And there's a web page, and I put the link in the show notes to some great algebra activities to reinforce learning. It's, it's a bunch of little Java games. Uh, you just you can pick out the ones you need, focus on the areas of algebra or fractions for that matter, and have kids uh, zoom in, play a game, and work on some skills. Like if you just had conferences and, and, and the, the parent showed you the report card and they're doing really terrible in math, uh, this might be a way for you to say, hey, uh, Here's a great way for you to get some practice uh, this week or, you know, coming, especially if you've got kids who want to play games. This might be a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kay Jarrett, KJ Hacks in Second Life. He loves this too. This is to McLeod's Don't Teach Your Kids This Stuff. Please. Yeah. This, this was an interesting article. This was uh, just real quickly to go through this one is it essentially says, uh, this is from Scott McLeod. Um, Dear parent, teacher, administrator, board member, don't teach your kids to read for the web, to scan, RSS, aggregate, synthesize. Don't teach your kids to write online. Pen and paper aren't going anywhere. Since when do kids need an audience? No need to hyperlink, make videos, audio, flash. No connecting now. No social networking or online chat or comments or PLNs. Blog and Twitter? How self-absorbed. What a bunch of crap. 
indefinitely, absolutely, resolutely, no cell phones. Block it all. Lock it down. Keep it out. It's evil, you know. There's bad stuff out there. Got to keep your children safe. Don't you know collaboration is just another word for cheating? Don't you know how much junk is out there? Haven't you heard of sexting? Of cyberbullying? A computer 24-7? No thanks. I don't want them creating, sharing, thinking, learning. You know they're just going to look at porn and hook up with predators. You can't do any, you can't trust them. Don't do any of it, please. Really. Because I'm doing all of it with my kids. Can't wait to see who has a leg up in a decade or two. Can you? So. And that's by Scott McCloud again. So, uh, you know, again, the competition's out there. Um, uh, Let's see. I think the rest of them are yours. Oh. I've got so many tabs of now it just says podcast. There's no number left. <laughs> I'm down to pod. <laughs> well, I'm looking. I, I put one of those little uh, CPU monitor devices in the top of my screen, and it's slowly gone to. I'm using most of my. <laughs> my right, it's time to get a new computer with a better cr- number cruncher in there. There we go. Uh, let's see. Mathematics and movies. This is great because it's not the entire movie, but it shows different mathematical concepts as they were used in movies. You wouldn't have to show the whole movie. You can show the clip and then talk about the mathematical concept. It's got a wide variety. I would be careful. It uh, looks like this is not a domestic website. There are a ton of spelling errors. Um, so, you know, um, caveat emptor, buy everywhere. But it's out there. Take a look at it. It might be something you can use. Uh, Web 2.0 Classroom again, retreating Stephen J. Moore and the National Council for Teachers of English. Everyone follow my colleague, Kristen L. Howard. She just joined Twitter and needs your connections. Here's your opportunity to flood the poor kid. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Troy's busy friending her right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, Dr. Monty M. Or M. Monty Tatum. Uh, Education Week, Bill replaced key federal literacy programs. Uh, he got that via Add This. That's worth taking a look at since we've ta- been talking about school change and what would the next paradigm look like. I won't go into that anymore. Uh, I'll let you guys look at that and maybe comment it at middleschoolmatters.com or send us an email about it at middleschooleducators at gmail.com or, you know, post on our Facebook uh uh, holler at us, you know, at conferences when you see us, and um, and 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 I don't know, mm-hmm. spitballs at Troy or something. I don't know. Yep. All right, uh, Web Classroom 2.0. Yes, Santa Claus is following me. I hope they get coal this year with the price going, fuel going up, and everything. <laughs> Coal's a good idea. There was one. I skipped one. Angela Myers. What does learning mean to you? New thirty-second video, and, and and I wish it was more than thirty seconds because she she throws a little tidbit out there that I would like a little more clarification on. Um, she says education is a privilege. Now, when the university I went to said education is a privilege, and we reserve the right. You know, if you screw around and, and mess up, mm-hmm. you know, your your attendance here is a privilege, not a right. We can reserve the right to boot you. Um, but uh, for like in the state of Michigan, it's written in the Constitution as a. As a, as a mandated thing, it's part of the. If you're in the state of Michigan, a citizen of the state of Michigan, that's that's part of the whole whole Northwest Territories thing. You you, you get an education um, from the from the state of Michigan. So I'd love to see. Uh, she would, she wants a response based on that, but um, I'd love to hear what she would have to say about that. There's got to be something coming next. She cut her. You can tell they cut the video off at 30 seconds. Yeah, There's something more there. Maybe it's a teaser for you to sign up for one of her 
uh, webinars or seminars. But take a look at that. Just, you know, tell us what you think. Um, tell us what you think about the... Uh... And, and while you're telling us what you think, we really, really... We're begging at this point. <laughs> I'm going to beg, Sean. I'm going to beg for iTunes comments. Please, 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 please head over to iTunes. In fact, go ahead and hit pause. Go ahead and hit pause. Head over. Not yet. Don't hit pause yet. Head over and go to search for Middle School Matters on iTunes. Click on the little podcast. You see a little headphone with, you know, MSM in the middle there. And just write a wonderful glowing comment for us. Okay, go ahead and hit pause. Go over there. We'll wait. We're waiting. Go ahead. Oh, and come back when you're done. <laughs> okay, so now they're back. And, uh, hopefully lots of people have posted comments on iTunes. Um, and you didn't miss a thing. Don't worry. We waited for you. So thanks for coming yep. back. And thank you for posting a comment on iTunes. It, it really it helps us out because it, it helps us hopefully keep on the featured section page part. Yeah, and, and we've been doing pretty well staying on that front page too. Last I looked, we were you know between four and six, you know, fluctuating somewhere in between there. So, which means you guys are listening to us, and we really appreciate you guys doing that. Yep. Nice thing about iTunes is that you can uh, subscribe to our our podcast feed and just get us, you know, regularly. It'll automatically go out there and get the uh, uh, podcast and download it to your iTunes, and away you go. So, all right. Um... I'm going to move us along to NMSA follow-up uh, part two here. Okay. Um, uh, the, one of the next sessions I went to was Diana Day, Taking the Challenge Out of Challenging Students, Unlocking the Mystery of Hard-to-Manage Kids. She talked largely about three different um, types of students, and the stuff that she talked about was really good teacher behavior. Um and she talked about the students that you want to place um, near you. Um, she also talked about how adversity reveals character and how you need to be prepared for the kids, basically, um, which was a theme from another section, too, is that you need to have your own self in order in order to be ready. Um, and there was the massive psychological drives out there, the kids who need... Um, massive attention. Um, if they get no attention, they will act out. They like to touch. They like they like to annoy. They don't have any malice. They like their teachers, but they just need tons and tons of attention. And one of the uh, chuckles that she got is that they grow up to be on your faculty. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, and it's funny because one of my previous students is uh, doing student teaching right now. So, and he was an in, he was an interesting. Um, he was a fun kid when he was in middle school. Um, and you know how they need your complete attention. The typical adult reaction is annoyance. It will stop, but it's only temporary. You are their fix for attention. So with kids like this, you want to always place them near the area where you teach. And she talked about, you know, yes, not it may not be your desk. That's the area where you teach because people tend to teach in one area. You know, they tend to be there. So pray, put them there. Praise them in front of the group. Be spe Praise specific desired behavior. Give praise immediately after the desired response. Never reprimand them in front of the group. 
Um, explain in advance what you will do when they act out and then carry it out swiftly. Um, it's helpful if you can have a signal um, and you want to not give them extra attention during correction because they're looking for attention. You want to make the you want to make that short and sweet, and that's something that teachers struggle with is making the correction <laughs> short and sweet and moving on, <laughs> because you know you got to No, 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 they got to know, they got to know, they got to know. So, um, one of those things that teachers really, the really really good teachers understand is that sometimes no attention is plenty of consequence to to certain kids. Um, time with you is important and should be planned, um, that they can earn a privilege for the group if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, um, and you want to give them awards and um, commendations and certificates. One of the things you don't want to do is put multiple of them right next to each other. You want a buffer child in between them. <laughs> so you may have three or four in your classroom, but you want... You know, a praise getter and then a buffer child, then a praise getter, then a buffer child kind of thing. Um, use less large group or lecture format lessons because a large group creates opportunities for spotlight and you may have several of them competing. Rotate um, um, leadership. Have the, the redirect ready. And one of the things that she recommended is the very straightforward, very formulaic, you are doing this, I want you to do, 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 do. So every time that, you know, when, they're, when you need to redirect them doing the same thing, you are talking out loud, I want you to wait your turn. You know, you are, I want, so that you can get that. Um, and then she also recommends having a refocus area. And she said one kid that, she created this refocus area and the kid kind of took it over as like their own little office and <laughs> said it worked out wonderful because they were like all of a sudden super efficient. They felt like they were special because they had their own little area and it was a, it was a carol, you know, it was just, it was, you know, no, nothing fancy, no, but it was their spot. And so they felt special and they were happy with it and it worked out. Um, that's a cool idea. Yeah. So, you know, giving them kind of an area, um, was, was pretty helpful. So, um, yes, we talked about the, the limit seeking behavior kids, um, who have anger or resentment, uh, uh, towards authority could be for a variety of reasons, abuse, being overmanaged at home, living in a home where there are no limits, um, they want what they want when they want it. They tend to talk back. Um, they dismiss corrections as silly or not about them. They lie compulsively. Um, and they will talk, uh, they tend to talk a lot in really simple sentences. Um, she also showed the, uh, uh, a little clip from Richard Pryor on lying and how the, how the, you'll see, you'll hear lots and lots of, details and the Richard Pryor clip was pretty funny because it was like okay 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 you see I was in the kitchen I was in the kitchen when it when it broke and and when I was in the kitchen and it broke because I was in the kitchen um and I was running through well I wasn't running running 
because you told me not to run. So I wasn't running, running, but I was running, and, and, it, and it just goes through. And it just how, you know, some kids who lied, they just they give you way too much detail. Um, and it's really important that, you, that you've got to fight the battles. You just choose when you fight them which I think is, is um, important. And here's one of the keys. They want to make you mad. They win by engagement. And again, that's something that really good teachers learn, and it's really hard to learn because <laughs> sometimes you feel like the kid is getting away with something, but they're really not. They're winning by engagement. As soon as they engage you, they know that they, um, that they won. It doesn't matter what else happens they've won because that's what they're looking for and that's what they know is rules of the game (laughs) she suggested having a buddy room where you could send the kid to another room obviously you would need to pre-plan that with the receiving teacher so that they know when they got the kid with the card what was going to happen the kid would uh, you know sit in the back do something blah 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 and then talk later about it so um, there's a quick run through through her presentation. And then the notes, by the way, the notes that I, ta- that I took are on the uh, show notes. So you can check that out mm-hmm. on the show notes. You did, you went to Dr. Debbie Silver again. I did. I did. I, uh, the session I was going to go to was full. Uh, and um, so uh, Teresa Sutherland, who is the president of MAMSI, and uh, Dr. Debbie Silver is going to be the keynote speaker this year at Mamsie. And if you're in the Michigan, Ohio, Indiana area, please consider going to the Michigan Association of Middle School Educators Conference, which will be in Dexter this year. You can find the information over at www.mamsie.org. That's M-A-M-S-E dot O-R-G. Then click on the conference link. It's going to be at the Mill Creek Middle School, which is relatively new. It's a fancy little middle school. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what it looks like because... Uh, I guess they got some pretty cool stuff from what I've been told over there. Maybe they even have internet access, and that would be really, really cool. That would be. Um, so I went to her. So I went with her because she's never met Dr. Silver before, and we've actually interviewed Dr. Silver on our podcast. And um, so I went. It, it was more geared towards principals and administrators than it was towards teachers. Um, I, I found a lot of use out of it. It was just it was, it was a lot of lesson plans strung together went really fast so that there wasn't a huge opportunity to take notes, but her notes are online. And if you want her notes, I've put a link at the bottom of these notes to an NMSA 2009 zip file. You click that, it's going to ask you for uh, a, a password, and the password is I am a teacher. She passes it out at every conference session she goes to, so it's not like she's you know holding back on it. Um, and you can get all the notes there. And it, it's, it's in PDF form, so you can even browse it just within your browser. Uh, but she does a couple activities to kind of inspire teaching staff and keep them motivated throughout a school year, especially during those times where energy tends to fade, like right about now. And that's why Thanksgiving break is so important. And then again in January after the rush of the holidays. And then, you know, February, March, April, May, somewhere in there where you can feel the energy drop in your staff. Uh, use some of these things. For example, the greatest teacher activity. Uh, it takes about 13 to 20 minutes. You have some pre-assigned note cards for participants uh, to select and list five. Oh, my secretary didn't spell it right. Uh, five great teachers uh, that they've had, and then they play a song by Monty Selby called "Who's Got That Vision," 
And then five characteristics those teachers have. Share them in a small group. Um, and then challenge yourself. What, what were those characteristics? What do you see in, in the other people in your staff that have those characteristics? And what can you do to develop those characteristics within yourself? Kind of a self-reflection piece. Uh, personal teaching vision. Um, a, 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 there's a, a page she has, and it's in the show notes. You can copy it. It's called A Vision for Myself. You put down a name, a date, why I became a teacher. My most noble vision of myself as a teacher. And then the very next line, what I'm going to do over the next few months to reconcile my vision of myself as my, at my greatest with my present circumstances. And I think that's a key point, at my present circumstances, because some, for a lot of teachers, that's not an option. That's not a personal choice. That's going to be something your administrator gives to you. And it may be, not, may be something you didn't even you know, think you're going to go into when you graduated from college to begin with. The key part here was to have teachers write a letter to themselves about that topic and seal an envelope and give it to a colleague. And then about three months, three, four months from that point, have the colleague pass it back. And, and she said, this is great for like a conference. Teachers go to a conference, they get all energized and excited about teaching again. Right after that conference, sit down, write a letter to themselves about all the things they remember from the conference and all the things that they learned and, and all the things that conference inspired them to do. And this would be great for like one of your state conferences to do. And then give it to someone. It doesn't have to be an administrator, just somebody who's willing to give it back to you, uh, say three months. And then when you get that back, then read that thing again. And compare notes. It's, it's your own way to, to fire yourself back up for teaching again. Or go seek help, you know, because you're wondering why in the world you thought that in the first place. Um, uh, she did an activity where uh, teachers, it, it reminds teachers about being clear on directions. And also administrators about being clear in directions because what you say and what happens may be two different things because there's that communication gap in between. So she did a little activity where she had people take paper and she just she just said directions and didn't do any follow-up, didn't do, go around and do any checking. She just followed the directions. And then when uh, everybody came up with a completely different product from what she intended, you know, berated us like a, a very uh, upset administrator might and then explained, you know, how what, 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 what should we do, what do we need to, to know about our students in order to give them a reasonable uh, chance for success and talking about uh, uh, how important communication is uh, just among administration and staff. I thought it was a great example of that. Um, the last one I think I'll talk about is uh, recognizing differences. Uh, the uh, activity involves uh, getting some lemons from the local grocery store. And as the teachers come in from their various places around the building for the teacher meeting, you give them a lemon and you tell them to bond with the lemon, to examine the lemon, to make that lemon theirs. And then partway through the meeting, you pass around a bushel basket and you collect all the lemons. And then you proceed through your teacher's meeting and doing everything you need to do. And then at the very end, you take the lemons and you put them out on a table. I don't want to say dump because that could lead to a small disaster. But essentially, you, you take the lemons, you spread them out on a table and ask everybody to go find their lemon. And even though so many of them look the same, most will actually find their lemon because they've found those subtle differences between each individual lemon. They're able to recognize their lemon from all the other lemons in the bunch. Um, some of the stuff was some, some things I'd seen before, and if you listen to other podcasts, we talked about Dr. W. Silver stuff. Um, I've talked about it there as well, and I'll let you research those. Uh, but I thought it was a really great way to kind of help keep staff motivated, um, keep staff focused on the kids, 
and not on all those other things that happen, especially when, when staffs tend to lose their energy and drop off as they go throughout the school year. So do check out the uh, zip file. It's over at www.debbysilver.com. Uh, the password is I am a teacher, no spaces. And you're looking for the NMSA 2009 zip file. And there's a whole bunch of resources there, a whole <laughs> bunch of resources there. The, yeah. Well, starters, the the link to the zip file, they, if they go to Middle School Matters, they can get this, the middleschoolmatters.com, they can get the zip file. That's true. You have the direct link there. But do go to Dr. Debbie Silver as well and take a look at her site. Um, and we should also thank her. She links to us from her site. Yeah. And yeah, she is so. a really, really great person and a great teacher and uh, just a wonderful resource. So, um, yeah. And um, so there's lots of good stuff there. And in those files, there's lots of good stuff in the files because – you lost me over the last few minutes as I was. I, I noticed this. He was pulling stuff. Staff, I see where this I is going. I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> uh, I think I'm doing um, part of our middle school meetings matter. Our middle school. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm injecting the podcast into work now. Um, our middle school principals meeting. I'm doing part of the middle school principals meeting. Um, going over some of the stuff from NMSA. And I'm going to use some of this. Cool. So that, um, you know, people get a sense of that. So no, that's that's awesome. Just awesome. Okay, well, I'm thinking we've uh, pretty much abused our listeners long enough now. So we have to bring it to a close. Again, we are begging you, begging you to go to iTunes and uh, post a comment. We really would appreciate it. At the very least, you know, um, give us a rating or or two, but um, really, really the comments. We really enjoy the comments. We really appreciate that. Um, and drop us a note like Kate did uh, about something that funny that's happened in your classroom. We really, yes. really appreciate that. Great, <laughs> Kate. Yay, Kate. Um, you're still happy about that. Um, and you can do that at middle school educators. That's uh, with an S at gmail.com. There's a link on the website to email us as well. Um, and that's middleschoolmatters.com. Um, look us up on Twitter. We're MS Matters um, on Twitter. Um, and, um, you know, keep the conversation going. So, uh, anything else for the good of the order today there, Sean? Uh, you know, you're looking for something for advisory, check out the Moya artwork, which is due March 12, 2010. Uh, you know, to keep those stories coming, we really appreciate it. Yeah. You know what, what? One of the key things about NMSA, and, and we, we talked about a little last week, and we, and we keep talking about this, was meeting folks who listen to the show. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate your guys' feedback. When, they, when we met Dr. Tatum, I mean, and, and, my, and he shook my hand for, for like, what, three, four, five minutes, you know, he, he was shaking the hand of somebody he's, you know, listened to and, and talked to and he has a connection with, but I don't have that same thing back because right. we don't get the feedback that we, you know, the same direction from all the listeners. So when you do, it really does make an impact. And we really do appreciate that. Absolutely. And it makes our Saturday mornings uh, worthwhile there. All right. So until next week, this is Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. <laughs> <laughs>